talking about uh, the the budget cuts as ordered by Governor Brian Kemp. I think I heard him say earlier this morning that that most of that lifting has been done. It's been done by the agencies and the departments. What's left for the legislature to do? Well, we're going to go in there and look at it. I wasn't able to go to the joint budget hearings uh, held by the House and Senate. I believe it was sometime this summer or this fall. Um, But we'll hit the ground running on Monday and definitely start um, adjusting the mid-year budget and then look at how we can, uh, once the governor gets his proposed revenue projections and gives us his budget, look at uh, for the next fiscal year. So it's going to be an interesting conversation. Uh, State Rep. Spencer, I hate to be so parochial about it, but I mean, after all, this is Athens. Uh, we, we are concerned, obviously, about the University of Georgia, Athens Tech, University of North Georgia education money, bringing that money from Atlanta here. Uh, how might we be impacted by these budget cuts? I think that the educational system has been uh, shielded from the cuts. And from what I've heard, Um, Again, I have not seen a document, and so it's kind of difficult to speak about the numbers without seeing it. But um, we're hoping that the university systems would be intact, um, but definitely our K-12. Try to fully fund QBE again. We did it. for the first time, I think, maybe in the history. I think it's the first time in the history of it. QBE right. goes back to, somebody help me out here, but I think the Joe Frank Harris days, which is to say the 80s, something? early mid-80s. And I think, yeah, I think you're right about that. Uh, and I think, in fact, I remember Governor Nathan Deal making a point of that. Uh, you know, first time ever we've done this. Yeah, fully and so hopefully we can maintain the budgets. Now, I'm not saying that that's enough, and I know everybody says, uh, well, all, all we're doing is asking for more money. But, you know, if we... We fully funded something for the first time 40 years, 30 to 40 mm-hmm. years after it was the formula was created. There is a little bit of inflation <laughs> that we're leaving on the table that we need to address, and hopefully we can look at that. Uh, um, I'd love to see the formula be changed to a modernized formula. You know, gas is more expensive. I think back when this was passed, I was driving, and I think our gas was only like— 80 cents a gallon. But you know, I adjusted that for inflation a while back. I went through that, State of Spencer Ryan. And I just, I chose arbitrarily 1980, happened to be the year I graduated from high school. So I adjusted for inflation. And to pay what I'm paying now is what I'm paying then, adjusted for inflation, gas would be like $3 a gallon. I could argue that it's actually cheaper now than it was then. Yeah, you could argue that. But the funds have remained static sure. in the school systems. Right. Now, our incomes might have gotten bigger, mm-hmm. and but... The money that we're given the sure. um, schools, their utilities are more expensive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think there might be something where we look at, and this is, don't everybody uh, freak out. I've had no conversations about this with anybody, but thinking about we have an East Blast opportunity that can only be used for um, buildings and infrastructure that maybe we could pull some of that money to help allow some school systems That would to, require, at the very least, a change in law, and would it not absolutely. also require a change in the Constitution? Absolutely. Well, i got to figure out whether or not that's going to be, that's a constitutional, right. the ability to do it is definitely constitutional, but what it could be spent on, I mm-hmm. do, do not know if that's actually explicitly stated in the Constitution. So, so if you, let's just say hypothetically that you could, you're saying taking those, take those dedicated revenues, right now SPLOS dollars, education or otherwise, are generally set aside for construction capital projects. If you had, by way of putting those dollars into general revenue, what would you do with them? Well, I think you could allow school districts the flexibility to do whatever they felt like their community needed. 
you know, I mean, different needs for different communities. I think, uh, you know, there's some schools in Gwinnett um, that are going to have different uh, needs than our school here in, you know, on Gaines School Road, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, so what do we need to make our schools successful, I think, is more of a local decision and less of a state decision, really. Uh, it's not a one-size-fits-all system that we live in, and, you know, Athens has different needs from Rome, Georgia, and potentially that could be a, a way to create some sort of revenue that would offer flexibility. It to- begs the question, and I'm going to get a little, as long as we're going in this direction, State Rep. Spencer Fry, uh, you're making the case, and Republicans used to make the case, for local control when it came to things like school. And I mean, they'll still verbalize it and then vote to empower the state in so many different ways that it drives me to distraction. But I, I would I would ask the question this way. I ask because I don't know. What's the State Department of Education doing? Why do we need it? What is it doing? And if if we're going to say let's have local control, then why not go whole hog on local control? I think the idea that we do need some sort of standardization of the education within the state is important for sure. Um, Now, I am not on the education committee, and I'm not an education expert. My concepts come from looking at the budget, listening to the teachers, and actually having two kids in public schools in Athens, um, one in middle and one in high school at Clark Central. And so, you know, I think it's important to realize that you want, and constitutionally we are required to educate our kids. Sure. And we definitely want to have a standard of education, and I think the, I think the state can set a standard. I think we need to get away from our high-stakes testing you know, in 1986, when I was a um, freshman at University of Georgia and I was majoring in psychology, uh, my major professor said, hey, Spencer, you need to get into test making and test taking because it's going to be the next big industry, I promise you. <laughs> and that's a multi-billion dollar industry yeah. just for the state. You yeah. know, I mean, it, uh, across the nation, convincing people that testing and creating these standards is important but it does have a degradation of our educational component in the idea that a lot of teachers may feel obligated or school systems may feel obligated to teach to the test i never understood what that meant that phrase teach to the test here's the material learn it show me you learned it i don't understand what teach to the test check means. this out all right so say you got a you got a 10 question test right mm-hmm. and you know what the questions could be mm-hmm. right generally speaking yeah. generally speaking you know what the content should be And then you do what we did a couple of years ago or a handful of years ago and tied the teacher's performance evaluation to the student's Mm -hmm. outcomes. Mm -hmm. Well, to incentivize something that they're already doing is hanging out with a bunch of little kids. would drive me nuts but and i tell my kids that all the time like golly the teachers have the hardest job on the planet Yeah. yeah right and so then the teacher's performance evaluation is based on whether or not these kids do well on the test. Yeah. Then you got to sit there and think there's some things that aren't being taught that maybe the kids should know because it's not on the test. And that's going to be a human yeah. nature thing. Yeah, I mean. And the curriculum, the guidelines, I'll tell you some, there's some immeasurable things that go on with our teachers in Athens Clark yeah. County. I mean, Kirby Smart has the same business model. Here we're going to learn all this stuff through the course of a week, and we got the test on Saturday, and I'm putting my hands or my fate in the hands of a bunch of 19-year-olds and say, what did you learn, and how well can you regurgitate what you learned? How can you replicate what we did? I mean, the, the coach is <laughs> operating on the same business model. They are operating on the exact same business model. 
with older kids <laughs> who have an incentive to actually perform. And, and relatively speaking, an unlimited budget, which the teacher at Clark Middle doesn't have. And they so can make them run laps and do push-ups, and too. Continuing our conversation with Athens State Rep. Spencer Fry, Democrat, who will be in Atlanta for the start of the session on Monday. I gather, Representative Fry, that the casino folks are going to be back. Is there any reason to get bogged down here? Is this going to be a repeat of last year and the year before that and the year before that? Um, you know, sounds like it. You know, it's just uh, something that keeps coming up and coming up and coming up. And uh, I feel like the governor heard one of my speeches after listening to what he said. You know, I feel like that we could focus our efforts on something else that's really going to make a difference in the people's lives. You know, and the it's not going to be the end of the world if we have casinos. It's not going to be the best thing in the world if we have casinos. And I think it's important to realize that it's just a an idea of... Uh, a way for us to bring in income, but I think it's a shortcut, you know. I would rather us focus on natural resources and educational opportunities in our regular business. Casinos are only going to benefit a certain handful of folks as well, far I mean, as... Well, I mean, let's, let's define the lottery for what it is. It is gambling after a fashion. I'm giving you money with no guarantee of return, and I'm funding education. I'm having a lot of folks, and if the casinos can theoretically just continue to fund the lottery in a different way where's the harm well i don't i wasn't a fan of the lottery when it was proposed either and um, that's a heck of a thing to say all these years later not many people do say that i'm with you by the way hey, nobody will nobody yeah. will admit it now yeah. but the thing is this it's obvious from the get-go what was happening to me in the idea that and i wasn't even involved in the legislature or politics whatsoever when it was going on and um but you could see how, in order to get the lottery passed, knowing the demographic of the poverty level of the people who will buy t lottery tickets, it was a means-tested way to send poor kids to school. And then it got changed a couple years later. I don't know the exact timeline, but I think it's extremely important to realize that a lot of people are getting educated on the backs of folks that buy lottery tickets, that it's just not a good system, and I don't really like it that way. Well, it's this idea, and again, I, you, you, you've outed yourself, I will too, when it comes to this particular issue. It's the idea that we can have something very valuable, in this case education. We can get something for nothing. You don't live your life that way, and it's a heck of a way to try to govern. No, I, I agree, and it's I don't like the shortcut idea of it. Now, I'm not saying there's a, a moral issue with casino gambling. I've been to casinos um, I think they're interesting places to, to visit. I don't spend a lot of time doing it. I don't gamble a lot of money when I'm there. But one of the things that we've got to look at is uh, our theater network and our entertainment industry in the state of Georgia and the idea that these casinos can uh, undercut acts and they can put on their own shows as a lost leader in order to attract people, because they don't make money on their theater. They make money on people sure. gambling their money. Sure. And it could seriously damage some of our existing historic theater networks here in the state. Speaking of which, Spencer Fry, taking us in a slightly different direction, but I was going to go here anyway, and thank you for jarring the memory. Uh, headline, I haven't read the article this morning, but a headline that says, we might have been exaggerating for the last few years the impact, uh, the fiscal benefit of this movie industry in Georgia. We may be, some audits suggest, we're dramatically overstating it, uh, and now we have the governor and some of his folks out there talking about revisiting the tax credits. What? the world's going on here 
Yeah, I know. That story popped up this week. Uh, Tuesday, I was at the Capitol and received a hard copy of the report before it got published. And um, I was a little shocked. I think what the idea is that it's not that there is anything nefarious going on. I believe that there were some reports that were reporting gross as opposed to reporting net. Mm. And it <laughs> might have been a about a, yeah. it is a little bit of a difference for sure. <laughs> um, but, you know, we're talking maybe a four billion dollar economic impact versus a three billion dollar economic impact. At the end of the day, we've got a lot of people employed by the movie and film industry. And if there are some tweaks to the system that we need to make, then we definitely need to make them. But there is no way that we need to be discussing the idea of getting rid of these tax credits because we saw these other states, Louisiana, we've seen North Carolina do it, and their film industries just evaporate. So if we want to tighten it up to make it benefit our citizens better and save the state money and work a program correctly, I'm all for that. But I am not for getting rid of it at all. State Rep. Spencer Fry, the elephant in the room here, as long as we're talking with you, is all the elephants will be in the room uh, when the House convenes, the Senate convenes Monday in Atlanta. All those Republicans, you go back over there as a Democrat, amazingly enough, the only Democrat in the Athens legislative delegation. What are you folks as Democrats going to be able to do? Well, you know, I serve on, um, I'm on seven different committees. I'm on the Health Committee, Transportation Committee. I'm on Ways and Means. I'm on a special committee. called committee for um, arts and entertainment so that legislation will come through and um, Tuesday I was at the Capitol on a special committee for access to quality health care and that's outside of the regular health care committees and I got a handful of others and within the committee process we're able to make sure that policy is done uh, the right way I may not get credit for um, big sweeping bills and legislation, but certainly the behind the scenes work in the committee uh, is where a lot of the decisions are made. Being able to speak reasonably about an issue, um, have knowledge about an issue, and, uh, and come to a conclusion that does benefit the state of Georgia and the citizens is a very valuable uh, place to be. And Democrats did flip a few seats. I forget the exact number, the most recent election cycle. I think it's a net of five or six, and with the possibility, I mean, I, we already know that Houston Gaines is going to have opposition in all likelihood. Marcus Weedauer will. What do you think the prospects of getting more company over there might be for you Democrats? I'm not really sure, Tim. I think this year is going to be about, you, I feel like I say this every year, but this year is going to be about the craziest political year we've ever seen. <laughs> but, you know, who knows? Um, people's emotions are running high. Uh, I think we're, I feel like we're more divided uh, as a nation than we ever have been. Um, well, there was that time in the 1860s, but other than that, maybe. Besides that, you know, <laughs> and I, I guess in, in my lifetime, yeah, yeah. We, but, you know, being born in the 60s and, and pushing through the 70s, it's potential that we've been through this before. We just weren't really paying attention right. as much attention to it. And, um, you know, whatever's going on around us now seems like the most important thing in the history of man because it's now right because it's now and so you know i'd like to see us all start uh, creating a dialogue where we can speak to each other and not be inflammatory and really discuss issues well when i talk to people like senator again uh, and and he he singles you because you are singled out as the only democrat uh, i remember chuck williams when he was in the house listen we can work as a local legislative delegation we can and do work together to get things done yeah, we do work together well. And I think, Tim, you've known me for several years, and you understand my philosophy is that 
And I think it's important for all people to understand that, listen, you can't not like somebody because they believe differently than you. We all come from different backgrounds. We have different motivations. We were taught different things. We were raised differently. And you have to respect people's beliefs for what they are. But it doesn't mean that you hate them. I can fight. We can argue and we can debate, but I'm not going to talk about your mama, you know, and these are things that we really need to take to heart these days. And I think it's important because uh, we do work together as a local delegation. What fun is it? You know, I disagree with all four of those guys on several things and I will argue with them. And I've gone over to the Senate and argued with them in person over issues. But at the end of the day, they're still people. And I'm still a person, and you have to respect people, and we need to get that back. I mean, dang, man, we're all Americans, really, and that, may, and we really need to realize that. State Rep. Spencer Fry again. The new legislative session starting Monday beneath the Gold Dome in Atlanta. You get out of there, what, the middle of March, you think, into March? Uh, well, you know, they. I heard the other day. Of course, we never know. We don't vote on our calendar. I'll tell your listeners this right. real quick. They may not understand we're constitutionally required for 40 days, mm. but we don't even see the days that we're actually scheduled. It's not like 40 days in a row right. because we have to vote on a resolution. Mm. And the powers that be, um, much higher than me, will create a calendar for us. And so we'll get like probably two, maybe three weeks on the first calendar. Mm. And then before it runs out, they'll give us another calendar. 